Welcome to GrocerCast, production of the Wisconsin Grocers Association. I'm Brandon Scholes, president of the Wisconsin Grocers Association, and thanking you for joining us. This program is a member benefit for the WJ's retail, warehouse, and allied members. GrocerCast is produced to provide WGA members with insight to different components of the grocery industry, consumer and industry trends, category insight, and more. In addition to the industry program, we feature a member profile as part of our show uh, that comes up next. The show is produced by WGA's marketing coordinator, Brittany Knudsen. Our grocer cast is sponsored by Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, a WGA member. The WGA is excited to welcome the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin as the newest WGA business partner. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate marketer and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers and to drive demand for Wisconsin's dairy products. The organization represents Wisconsin farm families and works to increase the sale and consumption of Wisconsin cheese and dairy products. This year, Wisconsin, the state of cheese, is celebrating its 180th year of cheese making excellence. Wisconsin has been making cheese since before it was even a state and leads the category in craftsmanship innovation, and awards. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin provides retailers with a variety of in-store and online tools to help them create a fully integrated omni-channel experience to promote Wisconsin cheese and dairy to shoppers through the Proudly Wisconsin Cheese and Proudly Wisconsin Dairy Badges. For more information on how to sign up for the DFW newsletter or more info, you can view their contact info in the WGA's Grocer Cast description box that you clicked to listen to the show. Our thanks to the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Today, we're joined by Greg Ferrara, President and CEO of the National Grocers Association and a longtime friend and supporter of the Wisconsin Grocers Association. To our independent members here in Wisconsin, around the country, and to state grocer associations as well. And in part two of the show, we'll be joined by Mike Coppersmith, second generation owner and operator of New London Festival Foods. Greg? Hey, Brandon. It's great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. So you have uh, you've been a longtime supporter of the WGA. I remember when I first started, I got a letter from Tom Zaka welcoming me to the industry and to the association world. Uh, kind of introducing the NGA to me. And I was just kind of uh, so new to the game. I didn't even know what that was, but uh, that will just take me back way. But you have been there now for how long? Tell us a little uh, bit about yourself and, you know, how long you've been in the grocery biz, what your background was and, and uh, what got you to running the NGA today. Yeah, thank you. You know, Brandon, I think when I first started at NGA uh, around 15 years ago, you were one of the first people to reach out to me. So uh, to Zaka must have started something good there. Um, as I said, been with NGA around 15 years. Uh, I came out of the grocery business. My family owns a store in New Orleans and uh, we're in the business for almost 100 years. And I had the privilege of growing up in the business, being able to work and ultimately run that business uh, until Hurricane Katrina wiped us out and you know, but when one door closes, another one opens. And so I've been able to come up to NGA, put my political science degree to work and become an advocate for family-owned independent community grocers. Uh, there is no better job in the world, in my opinion, and I'm so blessed to be able to do it. Tell us a little bit about uh, what, what you did and what the NGA did in 2020 
that has that has really prepared you for serving uh, independents and grocers across the country now in 2021? Yeah, I'll tell you what, who, who would have expected uh, what we've had to deal with? Um, but what we decided to do at NGA is to act like our members. And that means being uh, agile, that means uh, really pivoting and focusing on the crisis or the situation at hand. And that's exactly what we did. So we said, okay, what do our members need us to do, be doing right now? Uh, and that changed sometimes hour by hour, but that's exactly how we approached everything. And we put all of our resources uh, into that effort uh, throughout, you know, whether it's government relations or communications, industry relations, dealing with supply chain issues. That's really what we focused on. And uh, we made sure that, you know, we stayed uh, flexible. Uh, we were working seven days a week, just like our grocery members were. And uh, I'm proud of the way that we were able to serve. I'm proud of the way that we were able to lead the industry. Um, and, you know, one way we did that, and Brandon, you guys you know, did a tremendous job of this as well, is being a spokesperson in the national media. Uh, and I went out and, you know, did national media, whether it's Fox or PBS or CNN, all from the basement of my house, and just making sure that we were getting the message out to the country, out to consumers, stay calm, don't overbuy, uh, and also talking about the great things that local independent grocers were doing. And I think from an, or a trade association perspective, I think we did a really good job of serving uh, our members in the industry well. You know, the, the pandemic took us all by surprise. And Greg, as you know, nobody had a playbook on what to do. But now that we've been through it for a while, what do you hear from grocers, from your members in the Midwest, where we're from, and then around the country in terms of how they're addressing 2021 with their employees or their customers or suppliers, just kind of the industry in general? So, of course, um, I think the word that's overused in our industry right now is the new normal. But really, if you look back at the grocery industry, overall, we've had plenty of challenges. We've had to overcome a lot of things, but we've done well uh, when compared to other industries. And so when I talk to our members, it, the really the focus at this point is, OK, how do I sustain this new business that I have? How do I continue to take care of my employees who we just celebrated yesterday? Uh, supermarket Heroes Day, how do I make sure that we've got the right people in the right positions to be able to continue this growth? I think for independent business, which was really cool, is you had a lot of consumers rediscovered local. They rediscovered that local grocery, their local businesses, uh, and they realized how great of a place it is to shop. And so our members are looking at ways that they can contain, uh, continue to retain that new customer and make sure they continue to serve them uh, in a really good way and take care of their communities of course. And there's a lot of going on supporting, you know, their local restaurants uh, because they're an integral part of the community. And so we've seen a lot of, uh, I think, really great partnerships that have been formed. And I think a lot of those partnerships will continue into the future. Um, and then, you know, I think taking a further step back, Brandon, um, looking through uh, the crystal ball that I guess probably none of us really have, but I've got this new business. We've experienced uh, this tremendous growth, whether it's an e-commerce, in-store or both. What do I need to do over the next one, three, five years to be able to continue to grow, to be able to reinvest uh, and to serve my existing and, and new customers that are out there? Uh, so I think really a lot of people are looking at this as a, a continued time of opportunity uh, and really are excited about the future. Yeah, it's a great segue, Greg, into the next point, because we are all still very much as an industry in the reactive stage 
there has to be a longer view of the future of the grocery industry and you know and and it is finding a way out of this reactive stage um, in 2021 the growth we've had out of 2020 now into 2021 what do you hear and kind of surmise about the grocery biz what it'll be like for the next few years you and you you mentioned the growth of, of online um, but you know the problems that customers are used to and grocers are trying to solve are still dealing with shortages and workforce issues having enough people there store design is an interesting concept as to whether or not they're going to scale back on inventory and presentation and end caps and sections for staging for online uh, this has been an interesting point at which people really start to think about the grocery industry and you know, where does it go from here on the longer? What What are you hearing from your members? Sure. So I think in the short term, <clears throat> we're going to continue to be busy. There's still going to be, uh, I think, quite a few folks who are not going to be ready to uh, to to get out and about as aggressively as they had done in the past. And so we have an opportunity in supermarkets to continue to to serve those customers. And things you need to be thinking about, I think they will be with us for a really long period of time. Um, sanitation, health, and, uh, and, and cleanliness of your store. Uh, that is going to continue to be, I think, paramount for a very long period of time. Uh, and you need to be a storyteller uh, um, to your customers. You can't just, um, you know, be doing the cleaning at night and no one sees it. You need to make sure they know that you're really focused on this uh, for the long, long haul. Uh, from a customer perspective, health and wellness, uh, I think will continue to be a, a big focus area and an area of opportunity for grocers and something we should really be continue to be focused on. You know, Brandon, you mentioned e-commerce. Uh, you know, a lot of us had to learn trial by fire. Now's the opportunity to take a step back and say strategically, where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? What do I want to focus on e-commerce? Do I want to be, um, you know, the, the cheapest out there? Do I want to focus on service? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, and then how can I potentially scale? Um, how can I potentially use, um, you know, technology uh, that we maybe, you know, automation that we never thought was going to be, uh, you know, really at our front door for years. Uh, now it's here. How can I form maybe new partnerships uh, to be able to achieve scale and efficiencies in a way to be able to serve customers? And then I think for the in-store experience, a lot of this is going to be trial and error. Um, or, or at what point are customers going to be comfortable with in-store sampling coming back? Uh, there are some folks who are bringing back salad bars and, and other self-service items. Uh, but I think that'll be you know, kind of market by market. And so I think particularly for independents, we're already seeing this, they're gonna continue to find ways to innovate. They're gonna continue to find ways uh, to, to try new things in their store, see how customers react to that. Uh, and then make adjustments going forward. And, you know, we're, we're not a static industry. Uh, we, we do this all the time. COVID really just has forced us to uh, move at a lot, you know, faster pace. And uh, I think we can continue maybe to keep some of that uh, agility and flexibility going into the future will serve us very well. Greg, now that you've been uh, in your role for what, a little over two years? Yeah. Um, what are some of the priorities, a couple of the top priorities of yours for the NGA for the next couple of years? So Brandon, about a year ago, we got together with our executive committee um, and we did some strategic planning. And out of that planning, we really focused on three major 
um, pillars or initiatives. The first is lead on government relations and shape policy outcomes. The second is the enhance NGA's brand to be an influencer. And the third is to grow member engagement and preserve financial strength. And so that is really where we are focused. If I talk about government relations and advocacy, I'm very proud of the team that we have. They do an amazing job. You work very closely with them, Brandon, you and Michelle. Um, and you know, part of us leading and being very effective uh, has to do with where I'm sitting today. We yesterday literally just moved out of the suburbs in Virginia onto Pennsylvania Avenue in the shadow of the US Capitol in Washington, DC. Uh, we are going to be leaders and, um, and advocates, very effective advocates for the independent grocer in Washington, D.C. And uh, we are going to be very aggressive in helping shape the policy outcomes that benefit local community and family owned businesses. Um, we're doing a lot of work around uh, our, our brand, which hadn't been updated in the past couple of years. In the next few weeks, we will release an update of our economic impact study. That's the uh, economic impact of the independent uh, supermarket industry. And then we've been very, very lucky as an organization to be able to grow. Uh, our, our membership numbers uh, uh, last year were an all-time record, and uh, we've got great growth again this year. And so really, from an organization standpoint, we're very strong and we're looking at how do we continue to be focused on growth and focused on being the best, most effective advocate we can be for independent grocers of all shapes and sizes, because that's who makes up our membership. And, and Brandon, let me just say on the government relations piece, um, I think this is really important. Uh, state associations are an incredibly uh, important uh, uh, pillar in, in what we do. We focus on federal. Um, and you and your colleagues at the state levels just do an amazing job of being a voice for the independent grocer and the full industry. And we appreciate that. Well, Greg, we too appreciate the partnership with the NGA and what uh, you guys take care of working, working on the national scene and with Congress. Uh, we are always, uh, you know, really glad to be able to help out with our delegation and with other roles following following the, the lead that, that you and others provide on some of the key issues that, uh, that challenge the industry all the time. Kind of a great segue into our last topic, and that is with the elections of 2020, and Joe Biden is our country's, I think, 46th president. What have you seen, you know, in the last few weeks since, um, since uh, he was sworn into office? And, and of those things that the president and his new administration have done, is there any kind of signal out there as to what kind of President Joe Biden will be for the grocery industry for the next four years or so? Yeah, great question, Brandon. You know, first and foremost, uh, I think this presidency uh, for foreseeable future will be almost solely focused on uh, the economy and response and recovery from the virus. So that really is um, um, Honestly, it's one of the probably the reason Biden was elected, and it really is going to be uh, you know his focus and not only doing stuff through um, executive orders and, and leadership from the presidency and the White House, but also working through working uh, through Congress. Um, but if you look over at Congress, you know um, I think the Biden administration would have written this chapter of the book much much differently. You've got a Senate that is split 50-50, uh, with Vice President Harris being the deciding vote uh, when they need to break a tie. But that also means uh, there is zero room for error, and you're seeing that play out uh, in this um, um, you know next 1.9 trillion, whatever the number will ultimately be, 
uh, COVID package that will come through. And there are provisions in there that uh, some of the moderate Democrats, like a Joe Manchin of West Virginia, uh, and some of the moderate Republicans uh, have issues with. And uh, when you can't afford to lose a vote, uh, those people will yield enormous power. And so I think for the foreseeable future, the next couple of years, um, we we are going to uh, certainly see um, the things that are going to come out of Congress and out of the Senate are probably going to be, have to be done in a bipartisan way. And, and that you know, will be a good thing, I think. Um, I also believe that you know, if you look at a lot of the, the makeup of the Biden administration, uh, some of us jokingly have called it kind of the Obama 3.0 presidency because you've got a lot of veterans from the Obama administration, but you've also got a lot of progressives in the Congress that uh, are yielding enormous power, and they are very much uh, trying to pull uh, you know, the White House uh, and the administration to the left. And so watch the influence of a lot of these progressives um, um, these progressives are, uh, in a, I kind of, uh, an analogy is what the Tea Party was to Republicans a number of years ago. Uh, you really have the progressive wing of the Democrat Party uh, in a way is having a similar effect. And I think that's going to have uh, an influence for sure on, on uh, policy and on legislation. Um, and then, you know, I think that um, we also continue to watch what is the impact of former President Trump on the GOP? Uh, particularly the GOP in the House. Um, you've got House members are in a, a much, because of, of uh, you know, redistricting and, and, and the way their districts are laid out, are in a much better shape. Um, but what influence will President Trump have, continue to have on the party? Uh, and how does that potentially uh, not only impact the way they decide uh, to play ball, but also the potential ability for the GOP to reclaim uh, the House and even maybe the Senate in the midterms? Um, you know, there's a very small margin in the House as well that Democrats, you know, control. So I think it's going to be a fascinating couple of years. And um, a lot of it will, you know, will be dictated by the, you know, ability to recover from uh, the crisis that we've had with this virus. Well, we certainly won't be bored in the grocery industry, will we? Greg, many Never. thanks for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you having me and uh, thank you for your leadership and for your friendship. Appreciate it. Welcome back to Grocers Cast from the Wisconsin Grocers Association. I'm Brandon Schultz. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to go into our segment. Uh, the second part of our segment is uh, to meet and talk with one of our members. We'd like to welcome in Mike Coppersmith from Festival Foods in New London. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. We appreciate you having uh, having to be with us today. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You are you're not new to the grocery business, so for those who don't know you. Um, you're not new to the business, but tell us uh, how you got into it and what it's been like and uh, where you are today. Uh, Brandon, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to participate today. Um, I enjoy having conversation with you, especially about our passion of the grocery business. And we could speak for hours, I'm sure, but we have a little bit of time restraint, so I'll move on here. Anyway, my story, Brandon, really isn't any different than everybody, every independent grocer in the state. I started as a young boy. It's a family business. My father and his business partner, Ron Brosh, had a small chain of six grocery stores. And when they retired in 1997, my brother Ted and I purchased the store in New London, which is our hometown. And uh, 1999, we built a brand new Festival Foods right in downtown New London. And We've been here since, and um, 
last year, 2020, my brother Ted decided to retire. So Georgette and I bought him and his wife Beth out and uh, kind of started a new chapter in our life. Mike, I don't know if you remember, but uh, well, now like, you know, 22 or 23 years ago, your dad was on the board of the WGA that uh, made that fateful decision to hire me. So, yeah, I know you'll have to look back. (laughs) You got to admire the guy for that kind of foresight because uh, he picked a good one. (laughs) Well, some may some may question that, but uh, it was it was a great entry for me into the business. Looking back uh, over 2021 or 2020, rather, you know, uh, it's not anything that uh, you and your family years ago expected to happen. And certainly no grocer uh, coming into last year expected anything of a pandemic to invade our industry in the world. I'm curious when this whole thing started to come down, we're almost at a year mark now, kind of what were your thoughts? when you started to hear about this and, and really when it got to the point of reality, I think when the governor's order came out, everything started to shut down. It was like, Oh my goodness, something's happened here. What was going through your mind? What were you and Georgette thinking about when this all happened? Well, you know, uh, it's one of those events that not unlike nine 11 of the terrorist attacks or the uh, John F. Kennedy assassination. This is the, one of those events that, people will remember and talk about forever. I mean, this is a world event, world pandemic. And it wasn't just Wisconsin. It wasn't just the United States. And we will never forget it. It'll be in the history books, I'm sure. But I'll never forget that day. Wednesday, March 11th, was just a normal day in the, in the store. And um, we went home in the evening and turned on the news and social media was on fire. And then that, and you know, you know the news was just chaotic and people just they put people in a panic and it was incredible i've never and never will again see something like that and then thursday morning i came to the store and i got here a quarter after six and our parking lot was full like it was christmas eve and i walked in the store and our third shift stocking crew was up bagging groceries and our pricing people were running the registers and our everybody was up here and it was just it was like that for three months and I just, I'm like, what is going on? And I'll never forget that day. And I don't think we ever will. You know, we were shutting down our bakery. We were shutting down our deli and the hot bar and the salad bar. It was just out of control, really. Toilet paper was gone and the fresh meat and the beef and uh, it's terrible. It was not fun. It was, it was a, as you said, kind of a run for three months that, uh, and I, I remember telling people, you know, grocers and their employees uh, were running on adrenaline. And, and it just, it just you guys had your foot on the gas and you never let up. And it, uh, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about what you, um, what you were sensing from your employees. Because, you know, I'm sure you had a lot of people work for you forever. And then, you know, newbies that come and go. Uh, how'd your workforce uh absorb all this well um yeah uh you know the first week or two it was kind of fun i mean it was we were so busy and then it got to be like this is no longer fun we're running out of stuff we can't get our product in and people are actually it took a while before we had our first case of the covid in our store um so you know it really didn't hit our rural county that quick but everybody was in a panic and 
Um, you know, but just the fact that we were running out of stuff and people were angry and it was turning political and it was just, you know, it was one of those things that I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I hope not. Well, there are parts of it that we hope we never do. But as you went through it last year, you learn, everybody learned things. Everybody, you know, took their 10 takeaways of things that they learned to do that was good for the business, good for their customers and good for their employees. So talk to us a little bit about maybe what you learned, but but more so, what do you have in place in 2021? What are you looking at for this year? Lessons learned from last year, but what are you looking for for this year? And, you know, some of the hard things that you had to deal with with COVID uh, last time around, where's 2021 going for you? Well, you know, um, we did install some self-checkouts in our store during that pandemic because we didn't have that. Customers, you know, they're freaking out. They didn't want people touching their anything. And so th- that that went over big. People really thanked us for doing that. And um Plus, it helped with some of the labor issues of hiring the cashiers. <laughs> they were able to do it themselves. Um, this year, you know, and then, of course, the, the sanitizing stations that we had to put in and um, the social distancing stickers we put on the floor and the mask and all that stuff was new to us. And I don't know, is this going to be the new norm? Are we going to have stickers on our floor always? If we build a new store, are we going to put those stickers on our floors? I don't know. But the mask thing right now is still it's still a it's still a hot button, and uh, that was difficult and still is difficult to deal with and do the right thing because we can't win that battle no matter what we do. Um, so we will be looking at this year. We're going to be looking at getting into. Um, in fact, we started looking into it last year, but it just wasn't working out. We need to get some uh, online shopping and pick up delivery and stuff like that going. What are you hearing, Mike, from your customers? Are you hearing, uh, you know, a they want to see more online shopping opportunities? Are they are they still confused about, you know, shortages and uh, making substitutions in what they were used to buying? Um, how do they look to you and your employees for answers on how to deal with some of the COVID related issues? Uh, the online the online shopping um, it doesn't come up a lot in the rural in the rural counties, I think it's more of a, you know, bigger city thing, but we do get asked about it and we are looking into it and we want to do it. But some of the people that implement that for us are quarantined. They, they're not able to get out yet and get in the stores. That's their company's policy. So we haven't been able to get that ball rolling. Um, the out of stocks are getting better. People couldn't understand why we were out of toilet paper for so long, and there never was an answer. But you know, they're they're still out of stocks, way more than normal, than a normal time in every department, in every category. You know, the, some of it is a manufacturing issue, some of it is a, pro, a packaging issue, some of it is, you know, they're saying the tariffs that are been put on. So there's just a lot of things that are contributing to our out of stocks and. You know, people understand it when they, they can't buy it here, they can't buy it there, they can't buy it anywhere, then they're like, oh, yeah, I guess they're not, they're not just making this up. You know, Mike, um, you and your employees in your store, like just about every other grocer in Wisconsin and across the country, uh, are so ingrained in your communities. Um, and, and especially a, a store like yours in a, in a smaller city where, you know, it's, 
there's maybe one or two stores. You become the principal focus point, the focal point of the community and what goes on. And it gives you an opportunity to give back and work on different projects and charitable things in the community. What, what sort of stuff are you all looking at in, in terms of 2021? Um, now that you kind of have a whole year of, of maybe some consistency. What are you looking at for this year? Well, you know, Brandon, there there is an unwritten rule as a business owner to give back to your community. Uh, we feel that's our responsibility. And I don't think there's anybody better at it than the grocers, the independent grocers specifically. And, you know, the community banks do a pretty good job, but nobody can top the grocers as far as recognizing and giving back to their community. With that said, um, New London... Uh, is in Wapaka County and we are the biggest grocery store in the county and we don't just serve uh, New London. We serve all the smaller communities around us that don't have grocery stores. So, well, our plan this year is to assess uh, New London, but also some of the smaller communities around us because we get we got a good customer base. They support us and we have great employees that come from those communities and they're important to us. So, we're going we're gonna to look out further than just New London and some of the other rural towns in our county. That's great. Mike, many thanks for being with us today. Uh, Brandon, thank you, um, not only for having me on this morning, but thank you for all you do for our industry. Um, like you said, my father was instrumental in hiring you. And um, as a single store operator, we really relied on our association to keep us up to date daily, really. Every day we got an email from you on all things COVID. And I don't know how we would have gotten through that without our association. So please know it didn't go unnoticed. It didn't go unappreciated. Um, we're proud of our association because of you. You know, we have a great reputation in Madison and the state. So if you could just please pass that on to all the staff, Michelle, Sarah, Cheryl, and Brittany. And... Um, I'm sincere when I say I don't know what we would have done without you and your staff this year. So on behalf of Georgette and myself, thank you. Mike, thanks very much. And and uh, I will share with the team uh, what, what you had to say because it was a total team effort. Mike Coppersmith, the owner, the owner of uh, Festival Foods in New London, thank you for being on GrocerCast today. And many thanks to our sponsors, Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, uh, to our guests, uh, Greg Farrar and to Mike and to the WGA members for joining us. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.